And so we're going to talk about that. And I know that tomorrow morning, especially up front, for some reason they like to sit up front, I'm going to see a lot of jerseys. And they're going to be Packers jerseys. For some reason, they like to sit up close by me. I don't know if they're just trying to drain the anointing or what. I don't know what. But, uh, you know, and, and it's going to be a great day. We're going to have a lot of fun together. And it's going to be a great game. And, and uh, man, think of all the emotion. And, and when that national anthem is sung and everything. I mean, just, just like, wow. You know, it's going to be unbelievable. You know, like I said, emotions are going to be riding high on both sides. And and you know what's interesting is, I, I was thinking about it this week, because I love football, I'm going to really enjoy the game. But you know what? As, as glorious as that game will be, so I'm talking like it's the most important game ever, it is but a speck compared to the glory of God. And when I began to think about all the emotion going into this week, and, and what heaven's going to be like, what glory is going to be like. Wow. I don't know about you, but I just, I just wanted to worship the Lord. I mean, just think of how awesome He is and how wonderful He is. And, and my whole life is meant to bring Him glory. It's, it's to reflect that glory and be part of that glory. And that's what the church is all about. And that's what we've been preaching about, the story of your life. The reason for you is not just so that you can live a comfortable life or just so that you can live the life you've always wanted to live, but... But God wants to do something inside of you for His glory. It's all about Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. I love this. From the Message Bible, each one of us is given something to do that shows who God is. Each of us is given something to do to show who God is. You have a part in revealing the glory of God to this world. One of the things we get to do is we get to be a priest a part of the priesthood of believers for God. And I want to talk to you about that tonight because there's privileges when Christ comes into our life and we're baptized into his family. There's privileges that we have. And one of those privileges is to be a priest. And I want to talk to you about that because a lot of times when we think about the priesthood, we think of maybe the Catholic Church or maybe we think of a Jewish Old Testament priest or something. We have this concept of a priest. But I want to talk to you about the New Testament concept of a priest and what Peter tells us that we are all priests in 1 Peter chapter 2, 5. He says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are part of a holy priesthood, not just for a few that are ordained ministers, but for all of us, that we are ministers, that we are priests. It's prophetically fulfilled from Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 6, it says, But you will be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. That's God you know, it's been God's plan from the very beginning that you were going to be a priest. Each one of you, anybody that can hear my voice right now, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, baptized into his family, you are called to be a priest. But what does a priest do? Because again, we have these concepts in our mind of what a priest is, but what does a New Testament priest do? And this is what I want you to write down. I want you to take notes. And again, it's very scripture-intensive tonight because it's not meant just to minister. It's meant to make you a minister. So what do priests do? Here's some things that will teach us what to do as priests. The first thing is, is we reflect the glory of God. As priests, we reflect the glory of God. Now, that's, you know, we don't give, we give God glory and praise and worship, but we are to reflect 
his glory to this earth. That's our job as the priests. And and everything the priests did in the Old Testament, how the priests looked was to to show a part of who God is. And and I want to share this with you tonight, that we reflect the glory of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning of verse 13. So you must live as God's children, obedient children. Do not slip back to your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Hmm. We reflect the glory of God when we work and walk in holiness. Now God makes things holy. He made the tabernacle holy. He made the temple holy. The instruments, he said, they're holy. He made the children of Israel holy. I mean, there was sin and all that. But you know what? It's, it's, I'm making you holy. That's what God says. He makes you holy. But you know what can happen in a holy place? Profane things can be done in a holy place. Even, God, even though God said it's holy, still bad things can happen. And what we have to guard against is that we don't allow those profane things to happen in our life. Because if they do, they take away from the reflection of the glory of God. And that's your job. That's your calling. It's not to be happy. It's not to be successful. But to, to show forth the glory of God. To reflect the glory of God. In the tabernacle, we have the priests and they would come in. The first thing there is the altar. And the priests would make sacrifices on the altar. And again, Jesus made that ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And then there was a basin where they could go and they could wash. Because obviously, all those sacrifices, bloody hands and all the blood that would be on the ground, they'd wash in their, their hands and feet before they ever went into the holy place, let alone the holy of holies. But before they ever went into the holy place, they washed and they were clean. See, what God is saying, I want you to walk holy and clean in this world. I want you to walk holy. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. God does this in our life, and this is very important. We can't do this on our own, right? You can't save yourself from sin, right? That's, that's, that's what Jesus did on the cross. So he takes care of the penalty of our sin, but... There's the power of sin in our life as well. And we always think of 1 John um, 1.9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's a good verse to hold on to. But a lot of times we think, I've got to confess everything in my life so that I'm clean from those things, that there's no penalty for those sins. Listen to me tonight. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and what he did for you on the cross, he took your penalty on the cross. So every sin you did commit, every sin you do commit, and every sin you will commit is paid for. Because you know what? You don't even know. If you had to confess every sin, you wouldn't even be able to do it because you don't even know sometimes when you're sinning. And there's people like, well, what if I die and I haven't confessed a sin? The blood of Jesus Christ. The grace and mercy of our Lord. I want to tell you tonight, that's not what we're talking about. The penalty of sin has been paid in full. So what is this verse all about? It's what we call the power of sin. What happens in our lives, sometimes we, we walk and we stumble, we do profane things, we fall into sin, and there's an effect that that sin has on our life. It's not that we're not forgiven by God, but there's something that that sin does inside of us that separates us from the Lord. And, and, and when we talk about holiness, we could try to live right. We're not going to do it. We could try really hard. But here's the thing is, is God says, I want you to come and I want you to confess your sin. 
Because there's something powerful that happens when you confess your sin. The power that it has over you is broken. When you confess your sin to God, when you confess your sin one to another, as it says, maybe in a small group or an accountability group relation, when you confess that sin, the power of that sin is broken. See, there's, there, there is what you reap and what you sow and all these things, but God says, I want you to come to me. I will make you holy. I will break the power of that sin in your life. I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, excuse me, chapter 8, verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that pleases the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Holy Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You've got to say, Holy Spirit. You know, when you got that sin in your life, because sometimes that sin, it grabs a hold of us and it's got us, you have to confess that sin so it has no more power in your life. You're forgiven of the sin. Don't worry about that. You need to get rid of the power that it has in your life by confessing it. And then allowing God to come in and say, Holy Spirit, I don't want to think the way Daryl thinks. I want to think the way God thinks. I want to, I want to change the way I think. And what I love about our church, what I love about what God's been doing, especially the past several weeks, is we've been sensitive to the Holy Spirit. There's been certain times, and I know we went along with worship tonight, I understand that, but but there's been other times where we've just gone and gone, and it just but we got lost. I hope Wednesday nights we get lost in the presence of God. It's like, I love when the Holy Spirit moves. I love that. And so, you know, it was, it was funny because last week I'm like, man, it was so great. I don't know if you remember Saturday night around the altar. We just signed it. It was just the power of God. It was unbelievable. And I, I just remember thinking all week long, you know, oh, can't wait till next weekend. Can't wait till next weekend. This is going to be, oh, I can't wait. And you know what? The Holy Spirit just nudged me today in my prayer time, and he said, you know what? You don't have to wait. Weekend to weekend. Right? We can just say, Holy Spirit, come right now. That's why I'm so excited about Wednesday nights, because we get that refuel on Wednesday nights. But, but I don't even have to wait for Wednesday night. I can allow the Holy Spirit to be at work inside of me. Because my calling as a priest is to reflect the glory of God. And I can't do that when I'm full of sin, when I'm doing my own thing. I'm called to reflect the glory of God. The second thing we do as priests is we offer spiritual sacrifices. That was the job of priests in the Old Testament. They would offer sacrifices. So what are some... Well, we don't want to talk about what they offered. What are some sacrifices from the New Testament? What are the sacrifices that God says, I want you to offer these, and these are things that are going to cost you? Listen to me. I'm going to give you a list, and these things are not free. They will cost you something. So God says, this is what I want. I, the first sacrifice I want from you as a New Testament sacrifice of a priest is I want you to sacrifice your bodies to me. What does that mean? Romans 12.1, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. He says, I want you to offer your body to me. I want you to offer yourself to me. God gave me life, he gave me strength, he gave me a body to worship the Lord. Not to live for myself, not to indulge in my own pleasure, but to live for him. So that I can serve him wherever I'm at. He's given me this body for him. And so what we have to realize is what Paul is saying here is here, you're a living sacrifice. And he's making a play on the pagan idol worship of that day because the pagan worshipers would go to some stone idol that was just a piece of stone and they would leave maybe a piece of meat or some flowers at the foot of that statue and, 
and, and the, the meat would rot and the flowers would die. And, and, and he says, don't offer dead sacrifices to a dead God. Offer a living sacrifice to a living God so that he can use you in your home and in your workplace and in your school, wherever your feet go, wherever I go, wherever this body goes, my Lord goes with me. The Holy Spirit goes with me. He says, give yourself to me wherever you're at so that I can use you. Give me your voice. Give me your strength. Give me who you are. I've given you life so that you can live and show forth my glory. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. That means that you don't belong to yourself. Say, God, wherever you take me today, whatever I do, if I can, if I can help, and, and, and you know, my car broke down the other day, and man, a guy just got out, and, and it was cold yesterday, and he helped me push that thing down the street into a gas station. And I mean, that's, that's using your body as a living sacrifice. And he kind of walked away. I felt like he was an angel or something. It's like, where did you come on Rand Road just to show up? And I want to tell you that you can offer your body as a living sacrifice. It can be as simple as that or it can be more complex, but offer your bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. The next thing we offer is our money, our finances to the Lord. And the Philippian church gives to Paul. And, and so this is the context of it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus your, the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. I love that. Paul's in need. The Philippian church takes up an offering. They give it to him. And, and Paul calls it a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Our finances, our giving is a way of making a spiritual sacrifice to God. Just as the children of Israel would have had to buy the animal that they brought to the temple to be sacrificed, God says, I want you to give to me. And, and of all the things I'm going to talk about, this might be the hardest for some people to say, okay. But God says, I want you to give me that first 10% to show that, that, that I'm your God that you love me more than anything else. I want you to give to missions. I want you to give above me. When you see someone in need, I want you to give because that giving is a sacrifice of praise to God. So we need to give to the Lord. That's another sacrifice. Another sacrifice is a sacrifice of worship. Hebrews 13.15 said, Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. I love that. Let's offer a sacrifice of praise to God. I love coming to church and, and maybe you don't, I don't know, but I love when the music starts and we raise our hand or we're clapping, we're standing, we're kneeling. I just love that. Now, I know some people are uncomfortable with that. I get it. I understand. But God says, I want you to give a sacrifice of praise. I want you to use your bodies and worship to me. There's something powerful about that. You know, especially when your body's sick and you're worshiping the Lord. There's something powerful about that. When, when you worship the Lord and, and you're not sure what other people think about you while you're doing it, it's like, God, I don't care what anybody else thinks today. I need you more than I need their approval. And so we need to give that sacrifice of praise to God no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what we're going through, to give that sacrifice of praise to God. The final sacrifice that we give to God is, is the sacrifice of doing good. Next verse in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifice God is pleased. 
God loves it when you do good for someone else. God loves it when you live a holy life. God loves it when you share. God loves it. And that is a sacrifice. And remember, we don't do this for other people. You know, we're, we're, we're bringing in diapers to help some teenage moms that are homeless in the city of Chicago. And we're going to bless them. But we're, not giving, we're doing it as unto the Lord. Because you know what? That's what God would do. Because the most expensive thing they have to buy is, is that or formula. And it's like, you know what? We're going to be Jesus to you. If you can't afford it, we're going to do it for you. Again, God loves it when we do good. He loves it when we stay after church or we give some extra money to pack meals for the Philippines for missions. He loves when we do good. That's how we make sacrifices as priests to God. Another thing we do as priests is we intercede for others before God. It's another big thing that a New Testament priest says is we intercede for others before God. In the Old Testament, a priest would, would do the sacrifice for himself. He would perform it for himself. But once he was taken care of, his, the rest of his day, the rest of all of his work is for other people. Once that priest was right with God, then it, then it was all about everybody else. And the same thing is true with us. Is once we're right with God, then our lives are to be lived for other people. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he was committed to us the, or he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our job, is to let this world know that God loves them, that once we're right with God, it's about making other people right with God, which leads us to the final thing that priests do, and that is that we represent God to this world. We saw a powerful video before we started about that clay on the potter's wheel, and Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are Christ's masterpiece. He's at work inside of us. Our job is to represent God to this world. Do you resemble God? When people find out that you're a Christian, are they surprised? You know, I always tell my, my students in Life of Christ, there's, there's five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The fifth Gospel is your life as you represent Christ. And the problem is, is that most of the world will never read the first four. They're only going to look at your life. And does your life reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ? Does it reflect the mercy and grace of the cross? Does it reflect the glory and the holiness of our God? Do we represent God? God has so much for you. You are called to be a priest. I don't care how young, how old. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. You are called to be a priest. He's the author of our lives, as we preached last time. He's the one that says what it's going to be. And He calls you a priest. Are you serving the Lord and doing it His way? Are you living for His glory? He's made the way. He's given us the instruction. Are we doing it? Because so often we plan our lives on what we're going to do for God. And you know what? He has so much more for us. 
I love giving gifts. Christmas is one of my favorite times of the year. I love giving gifts to the family. Liz and I talk about it. We, we plan out what the boys want. Favorite time of the year. So we had planned out Luke's gift. But then Luke decided to tell me, and I asked if I could share this story, and he said it was okay. He decided to tell me what he wanted for Christmas. And it was, it was, it was a nice thing, but it was nothing like what I had planned for him. And I said, well, you know what, why don't you, I don't know, I'll, yeah, I'll think about it. That's what I said. And, and so behind the scenes, he began to scheme and plan until one day he got his hands on what he wanted for Christmas. And he said, here you go, Dad. This is what I want for Christmas. I got you a good deal on it. So I want you to give this to me for Christmas. And I'm like, that's what you really want. Yeah, that's what I really want. All right. That's what you're going to get. So Christmas comes, he opens it up, he's so excited, and he, yeah, oh, thanks, Dad, and he knew, and, but, but he went up and played with it. And then I'm tucking him into bed at night, and he's in bed, he has the gift that he always wanted. And he said, Dad? I said, yeah. He goes, you had something better planned for me, didn't you? And I said, yes, I did. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I think about that illustration, it just stuck with me because it's like, God has so much more for you. You are called a priest. You are called to reflect the glory of the Lord. You're you're called not to walk in the power of sin, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. You are called to be Jesus to this world. I mean, you have so much that God has called you to do. But so often we just say, well, God, I really want to do this. And then when we lay our heads down at night, we think, God, you have more, don't you? God says, yeah. I want you to commit yourself to all God has for you. For your body, for your finances, for your time, for your energy. That we would love him with all of those things. It is for his glory, not for ours. And I want to pray for you tonight. I'm going to invite Pastor Fred to come up and... uh, And we want to honor some people tonight. But I want you to bow your heads and your hearts with me first. And I want to pray with you. I realize that this is probably more of a teaching and there was a lot to write down, a lot to take in, a lot of scriptures you're going to have to look up later. We'll put this on the internet so that you can can listen to it and and, uh, you'll catch anything you might have missed. And I understand that that it's a lot to get inside your heart very quickly. But man, you were created for God's glory. You were created to be a priest. And so I just want to pray for you tonight, and, and uh, we're going to honor some people, and then we're just going to worship the Lord. And, and so if Jonathan and the worship team just want to get in a place, we're going we're gonna to sing of the glory of the Lord because we're called to reflect that glory. Lord, tonight I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you that you call us a royal priesthood. And God, you've called us to be priests, and Lord, maybe we've never really understood what that is, but tonight it's beginning to make sense, and and God, I pray that we would embrace that call, that we would reflect your glory, that we would make the sacrifices necessary in our own life so that others may know you. God, we realize that our lives are not about ourselves, but they are to be lived for your glory and your honor. 
We are to worship you with all that we do and all that we are. God, I thank you for tonight. God, we are not here by accident. Lord, we are here to hear your word. So may your word be planted in good ground in our heart. May it just bear fruit a hundred times, Lord. God, we need you. Thank you for calling us to be a kingdom of priests. May we never settle for anything less. And may you write the story of our life. God, we love you and honor you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.